This episode is sponsored by Hive Fleet Search the Galaxy for Planets to Eat. This was the Hive Cycle, Feed, Reproduce, Increase, Interstellar Distance was not a concern. Time was not important, the hive has always been and would always be. When they enter the sphere of the Earth Empire, Emperor Maximil dispatches a crusty old Space Navy Admiral to take care of the problem. Using what he has and what he can scrape up, he takes on the alien bugs in a battle, unknowingly launching the first in a series of battles that will stretch across generations of humanity. Hive, First Contact, now available from Ace 21 Publishing. Download your copy today, find it on Amazon, iBooks, Barnes & Noble, Smashwords, Kobo, Google Play, and market.ace21.com. Hello and welcome to Publish Me, a podcast series from AS21 Publishing. I'm Keith F. Shovlin, publisher and chief creative of AS21, and with me as always is... Hey everyone, this is Paul Russell, the author of the upcoming novel, The Will of the Magi. Hope everyone's doing well. Welcome to the November 2015 edition of the Publish Me Podcast. This is Chapter 8, NaNoWriMo. We'll be discussing National Novel Writing Month, which started at midnight, Sunday, November 1st. We'll get into that more when we have our conversation. Joining us is AS21 creative Eileen Vega, author of the nonfiction risque book, Dating as Told by the Modern Whore, written during NaNoWriMo 2014. But first, we're going to go over some of the things, what's happened last month, and uh, some quick updates for you. So go ahead, Paul, tell us where you are in sculpting the fantasy epic, The Will of the Magi. Well, right now, I am at a really fun point in the series. I'll spoil a little bit right now. I, I always like doing these kind of things. All right, spoiler I'm, alert, spoiler yes, alert. Spoiler alert for the book that hasn't been written yet fully. Yes. <laughs> My main character, Aiden, has just gotten into a little bit of drama, I'm going to say, at uh, his uh, at the school he is currently attending. One of the aspects that's fun in the school is that there's essentially dueling allowed when two people have an issue, and of course they have to settle things magically. And I have just finished a scene where he gets to observe a fight between a friend of his that he's made at the school and one of the cronies of one of the upcoming villains issue people that he's going to have to deal with later on. And his friend, of course, gets absolutely trashed. His friend is, if anyone, for those of you who have read the Harry Potter series, if you remember Neville Longbottom, this character is... Oh, everybody remembers Neville Longbottom. Yeah, every, everyone knows early Neville and then... Sexy Neville from later on. <laughs> yes, everyone knows Sexy Neville. This is not Sexy Neville. This is nerdy, just getting beaten up by everybody Neville. Except this you know, the character I'm developing as my quote-unquote Neville Longbottom is a wonderfully short, fat, dumpy kid who, you know, the classic bully victim of every single high school. And, you know, of course, you know, the main character has to have a friend like that. Um, and he just watched his friend get absolutely trounced. When his friend really shouldn't be, in terms of another small spoiler, his friend is an earth mage who was annihilated by an air mage. And those two are kind of opposites of each other, except the earth mage in this situa- situation should have been a lot stronger. But, you know, because he has a severe confidence issue, 
he got he didn't do that well. And so what I'm going to be writing over the next uh, day or two is going to be the culminating couple of scenes that will lead to uh, Aiden dealing with the repercussions of that and then his own magical duel, which will be a lot of fun, I think. Thank you, Paul. Now, last month, we talked to you about our new email address, publishpodcast at as41.com, new place to reach us. And we talked about possibly setting up an email listserv. Well, this week we have an email list set up through MailChimp, and we will be sending out only messages when we have new episodes posted, which in the case of, uh, of course, this episode coming out November 7th, we had a special edition, a supplemental footnote episode come out on Halloween. So those that signed up for the email before Halloween got that email. Now, we also have a brand new YouTube channel. Woohoo! YouTube! Now, it's nothing too special. You don't actually get to see us talking. We're not at the point where we're willing to record the video of this wonderful podcast coming together. Thank God. <laughs> yes. But, uh, they have to look pretty for that. Yes. But uh, well, we took the audio of the podcast and we put... I put some images with it and did a little bit of finishing. Eventually, we're going to try to have transcripts with the video so people that can't listen along can follow along with what's going on. So now you can we are posted by Podomatic, available on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and now on YouTube. And, of course, our home on the web, media.as21.com. And, of course, you can always reach out to us. Email publishpodcast at as21.com at Publish Podcast on Twitter, Facebook.com slash Publish Podcast, and we're also on Google Plus, and we have our own Pinterest board, but I'm not sure you can contact us there, but you can see what we're sharing. There we go. Alright, so that pretty much covers, that kind of covers main news for the month. So, now let's get into this discussion. We will hopefully have a lot to talk about here, because now it is National Novel Writing Month have said in months past on the podcast, a typical novel is 40,000 words or more. I actually saw a helpful chart come across on Facebook yesterday, and we, sh- we shared it on our Facebook page. From the writer's circle, they gave a more better definition of the word counts, where they put a novel as 50,000 to 110,000 words. And then, of course, anything over 110,000 is an epic. So hence why we, I continue to refer to The Will of the Magi as a fantasy epic, because it's going to, at this point, it would definitely be over 110,000 words. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's a little bit. Well, wh- where are you at right now, Paul? What would you say? Right now, I'm just over 120. <laughs> just a little bit, eh? <laughs> just, well, I mean, realistically... 10,000 words is only like 16, 17 single-space single pages. Right. So, you know, I mean, which doesn't equate to almost double that when you print it and all that. But. Yeah, when, I mean, that's 8.5 by 11 versus 6 yeah. by 9 trade paperback. Right. So. True. Okay. Oh, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Oh, I got to redo my math in my head now. Oh, that's <laughs> Well, thankfully, you can do. Word will allow you to change some dimensions and make it true. All right, so let's talk about. So, joining us for this month, we have AS Twenty One Creative Eileen Vega, 
author of the nonfiction book Dating as Told by the Modern Whore. Now, this book was written as part of National Novel Writing Month last year, November 2014. And from what I've found out that it seemed that over 300,000 people took the NaNoWriMo challenge last year. Mm. And not all of them finished, of course. Oh. But, and, of course, one of the ones that did do take the challenge and completed it, the goal of nearly 50,000 words, is Eileen Vega. So welcome, Eileen. Hi, how you doing? Thanks for having me on tonight. I'm really glad to um, be on here and talk a little bit about NaNoWriMo. I feel like this is the one month or the one year anniversary of when I became an author. Isn't that beautiful? Nice little clap. Yes. Yeah, about this time a year ago, I definitely, definitely wasn't published, and I was zero words into that 50,000, approximately like 52,000 word book. So it's really funny that you guys are talking about 100, 120,000 words. I developed some aggressive carpal tunnel from typing that much in NaNoWriMo, so I can only imagine doing double of that. Well, well Paul has had a lot longer than a month to work on this. So. Yes. Like two two months, right, Paul? Like two, three months? <laughs> <laughs> um, sure, let's go with that for now. <laughs> Let me think. We for, Paul, we first talked about you writing your book, what, February or March 2014? March last year, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so just little by little. Yeah. I think at my peak, when I first started NaNoWriMo last year and I got really into it, there was a period of like 10 days where I was writing like 2,000 words a day. Nice. Yeah, because I was like, sprint to the finish. Ah, yeah. And you were doing all this while holding down a full-time job, right? Yeah, actually, it's kind of funny you mention it. My full-time job is how I got interested in NaNoWriMo. I had never heard of it up until last year, which is kind of shocking because, you know, as a writer, you probably would know about something that's been going on for that long. But I had never heard of it, and a coworker of mine sent out an email with the NaNoWriMo logo and the link to the website within the body of the email and said, hey, who wants to join me? And I was like, oh, that sounds really awesome. I should just do that. And the ironic thing is that all the coworkers that got involved, none of them finished. I don't think any of them made like 20% of progress. <laughs> and there I was just thinking, eh, I, I, maybe I'll take a stab at it. And then once I got really into it, I just kind of took off from there. Well, just some more stats on here. The official count was 325,142 participants, including 81,311 students and educators in the Young Writers Program. Mm. They set up regional and municipal liaisons to help people do get-togethers to support their writing. There were 803 volunteer municipal liaisons across 615 regions on six continents. Dang. 849 libraries, bookstores, and community centers opened their doors for the novelists for the Come Right In program. And then they had the Camp NaNoWriMo, in which 55,774 people came out to do some sort of writing project during the camp. It didn't have to be a novel, it just had to be something. Wow, that's incredible. I actually went to one of those get-togethers, one of those write-ins which was really interesting because I feel like that's the place where I got the least amount of writing done because <laughs> I ended up socializing with everyone and asking them what their book was about and everyone's, you know, sharing their ideas. 
and no writing got done. No one had a computer out. No one had... See, that's what I would think would happen. That's why, I mean, when I write, I'd like to write in solitude. Right. Absolutely. You know, we're all just sit, sitting around with ciders and, and beers in our hands yeah, talking yeah. about the... that helps the writing. <laughs> <laughs> yes, all of the heavy editing I had to do on the back end because of how many hours I wrote in that state. Yeah. And then they say over 250 books, over 250 novels have been traditionally published coming out of NaNoWriMo. And also each year they add, they have mentors available to do pep talks and give advice. This year's mentors are Stephanie Perkins, Diana Gabaldon, Charlene Harris, N.K. Jemison, and Jean Wynn Yang. So that, that's quite a group. I know my wife's a big fan of Diana Gabaldon's books, and she was actually just here. Oh, and Charlene Harris, my wife just reminded me. But uh, <laughs> Diana Gabaldon was just here in Northern Virginia. She received a prize at the Fall for the Book Festival at the beginning of October. Oh, wow. Yeah, she came, she gave a talk on the opening night of the festival, and she was, from what I heard, very highly attended, as opposed to the book fair on that Saturday, but, you know, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, she won the Mason Award since the fall for the book is run by George Mason University. So she's written multiple books in her Outlander series, which is now, of course, a TV show on stars. Did she write any of this during NaNoWriMo? Don't, I don't know, but she's there as to give advice and guidance. So that's always a good thing. Research. (laughs) Yes. And I just saw this week they just came out with a coloring book for her to go along with her book series. Should I do that for my book? <laughs> be great, sure. Oh boy. Yes. Let's, let's, let's do that. Color the shirt blue. Yes. I was just looking at an email from Vistaprint, one of our vendors this past week, about new products they had available. And they now have puzzles available. So I figured, you know, how neat <gasps> it would be to get a puzzle made of some um, of our cover work. Yes. <laughs> So I went ahead and I've got I've ordered a test one for our newest release, High First Contact, because it's just a beautiful sci-fi cover that w- works really well as a puzzle. Well, that one absolutely would. But yeah, so yeah. we'll we'll have we're depending on how the finished product is. Eileen, we'll have our our silhouette puzzle. Absolutely, a little uh, a little shadow puzzle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that one would sell really well. So. It really would. I feel like more people would buy the puzzle. Even in the book. <laughs> well, yeah, the, I, we had the Western Maryland Independent Lit Festival in the middle of the month in Frostburg, Maryland. I went up there as well as author James D. King. This was just after his book, High First Contact, came out. And we had so many people coming out to the table to talk to Mr. King purely because of the cover art for his <laughs> book. Because it was very excellent. I mean, very engaging old school sci fi motif. But that, that's getting us away from NaNoWriMo. <laughs> <laughs> so, essentially, I wrote my second book, Life's Penance, over the course of three months. And it's only a novella. And that's working, doing most nights, and writing and reviewing and editing and everything. So, I can't even fathom the idea of doing 50,000 words in one month. Well, I'll tell you what. I definitely wasn't editing along the way. The only way to accomplish it, I believe in retrospect, was just the, I'm just going to trump through it. I'm just going to keep throwing words on it. I'm going to keep writing as the ideas come along. And then it took about one or two months of editing in the back end. Right. <laughs> so 
Yeah, you can do a, a NaNoWriMo sprint through 50,000 words and really hurt your wrists and your fingers typing that much. But then there's a lot of work on the back end. But it was an incredible timeline, I feel like, for me. I wrote it within the month of November, and I actually finished it within 20 days and not the entire month. I started on November 5th, and I ended by November 25th. Oh, <laughs> yeah, and it, when I tell you, I just got really into it because my friends have always told me, you know, you have a lot of great stories. Like, you should compile them into a book. And so once I got really in the zone, I started just going away at it, and I got it all done within those 20 days. But then from that the end of November all the way through the end of December, I was doing my individual review of it before I submitted it for... AOIS 21. So it was a really good timeline for me and that it, it happened at, by March of 2015, I was published, but it, I feel like the rereading it and the re-editing mm -hmm. took even longer than the actual writing process. Well, especially if you write it all in a month or 20 right. days at that. So, right. <laughs> yeah. In comparison to Paul, I mean, the long time it's taken him to write his book, the editing process will go much, much faster. Mm -hmm. and Luckily. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like it's probably good in traditional writing in order for it to be good quality and for you not to spend that much time on the back end. That process is definitely beneficial to kind of edit it as you go along or as the ideas come to you. Well, I'm also the kind of person that's a little bit of a head case on my work, and I really have a lot of trust in my editors, so I can send them a couple chapters, and they can give me advice on on working forward. So that's what I was able to do with both of my books so far. There you go. You know, kind of get feedback to help inform the the writing process as I went forward. But yeah, obviously, with we're just doing a month, and the fact that they chose November, which is only a thirty day month, so you're already right. <laughs> you already lost a day compared to if you did it in October or. <laughs> and you lose like three days for Thanksgiving vacation. Yeah, nobody. Yeah, I wasn't typing writing. and cooking. Nobody's writing <laughs> on Thanksgiving. No. Oh, no. that's that's not true at all. What? <laughs> I've done. I did NaNoWriMo in 2012. I should say I attempted to do it. Okay. And the only writing I got done was during Thanksgiving. Because <laughs> <laughs> you, you're just like, oh, I don't have to go to work. Unless you're here. Yeah, There's no work involved. I and it was the perfect excuse to get away from my family. See that? That's, <laughs> see that's the truth of Paul. He just hates his family. That's all. <laughs> you're like, sorry, I'm trying to finish a novel. Okay. Can you, can, you get, can you back off? I'm, try, I'm trying I'm trying to get so many people out. not understand I'm being creative here. <laughs> your turkey and your you know your gravy is getting in the way of my process. Yes. Oh, <laughs> I've said those exact words. <laughs> you know I also like <laughs> I also like that it's during November because it's a perfect time for like no shave November. You oh. know? You grow out your your, your beard while you're writing your epic. Yes. And, and of course here, both Paul and I have full beards going here. So <laughs> you know, like, they're just getting into it. Yeah. I'm going to look like Gandalf the Grey after this. Except, you know, it's going to be all brown still, luckily. So I'll look like Radagast. There you go. Yeah, all right. <laughs> anyway, back to NaNoWriMo. Well, no, we are still talking. Now. We're still talking about NaNoWriMo. <laughs> it's just convenience in the year. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess I'm driving home tonight, and we realized at 6.45 it was pitch black outside because <laughs> of the time change. Uh, yeah, I guess it being darker out earlier, it's easier to write at night. You know? Right. 
pick it. It's the prime hibernation month, mm-hmm. you know, to begin the hibernation. So you go into your room and you type away. Too bad it's also, is it one of the sweeps months for television, too? So. <laughs> True. I've typed many a paragraph sitting in front of Netflix. Yeah. <laughs> See, that's your version of Netflix and chill. <laughs> that's my version of Netflix and chill. Except for Netflix and create. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Netflix and write. Yes. Okay. And you, so you did it in 20 days. Oh my God. Fifth. Wow, that's just. <laughs> what, what was the exact final word count? of your book when you were, when it was all said and done oh man okay at the end of NaNoWriMo or at the end of the editing process well, I, yeah, let's actually go with both because you have the first number which is at the end of NaNoWriMo which is right. something to work with but then you do have the editing process right add some sometimes but you also lose words so what's the you know what was the because no one gets the Ends with the same exact words that they started. No, no, for sure. Here, I'll give you the word count for the final manuscript if you have the word count for the... I'm going to approximate. Okay, so the weird thing about it was when I was finally done, I I did the afterword, and I did the word count on NaNoWriMo, and it was like 48 or something. It was like 49,800 or something like really close, but not 50,000 yet. And I was like, oh, no. So I went back and I started adding more ideas into certain, I was like, well, maybe this chapter I could go into more detail. Maybe I could add a little more to the afterward. And finally I got to the 50,000 mark. And then I believe once I went back and reread and did more editing and added more detail to certain parts, what was the final count? Hold on, Microsoft 53, 52. Microsoft Word is having trouble counting that high. Oh, no. I believe it was it was like 52 okay. or something. 53,930. Oh, about two thousand more than I thought. <laughs> well, that that includes, of course, the about the author, yeah, about the copyright, the, author, yeah. the title, and all that. So, all yeah. That. So, I, I, it's kind of funny because when I did NaNoWriMo, I did a mixture. Of, so I kept it on a Google Doc, and the Google Doc was available on my phone. So when I was in transit, I was typing on my cell phone. And then when I was at work, I had the Google Doc open in the background, I was doing a little bit on the Google Doc at work as well. And so I noticed in going back, the parts that I wrote on my phone were awful, which is, which is like laughably pithy and just really just simple. And I, I mean, you can imagine like what, nobody goes into like that much detail when they're like texting essentially, which is what it was, which I w- is what I was doing on, on transit to work. So those parts ended up, I would read it and I would go, there's not really that much detail there. It's kind of, mm, kind of dumb. So I, those parts where I was doing it on my phone, I ended up definitely going into more detail once I revised it. So that's why I think that's why the word count got a, a little higher once I finished. Now, of course, compared to a lot of people doing NaNoWriMo, you had, uh, I'm not going to say you cheated, but you definitely had a little bit extra support in the fact that yours is nonfiction and it's entirely yes. from your own life. Uh, yes. I, a lot of people are trying to either adapt their own life into a fictional story or they're completely creating a whole fictional environment and storyline out of their mind. So. And that was definitely one thing I noticed when I went to the, the mingle with the other writers. Some of them, you know, were having trouble or they, they weren't writing as many words per day as I was or they were trying to figure out, you know, their storyline. There was nothing for me to figure out because I knew. I knew exactly how everything was going to happen because it it actually happened to me. So I it, I was essentially just writing down from my memories 
versus when I spoke to the other writers who were having trouble hitting the word count because they're like, oh, what am I going to do with this character next? Or how is this plot going to play off? Or, you know, they were, they were figuring those things out. Whereas, as you said, I, I don't want to say it's cheating. I want to say I, I had a you had an advantage. I had an advantage <laughs> of just writing straight from my memories, my sexy, sexy memories. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, but that's that's true for most writers, though. A lot of these things are memories at some point. We just right. kind of—you have all the memories connected. Most right. of us don't, you know. For right. something like mine, I have it all in my head, but you know, all the dots aren't connected. Right. I, I could kind of compare it to anyone who's writing historical fiction. Because uh, I, I know my originally what my first book that I was going to be going to write was a historical fiction piece, and I just started gathering together. I plotted out who are my main characters, what am I, what's my storyline, my timeline, who am I following, and how secondary characters, tertiary characters, and planned it all out. Had scenes figured out. All I needed to do was the to research in the historical record because when you're doing historical fiction, you have an actual events you've got to fit in and if you're using characters who actually existed it helps if you've read their biographies if you yeah it it helps if you a little historically accurate yeah and i was so psyched to write but i hadn't done any of the reading Mm. (laughs) but i had done all the planning so that's when i started writing polk soliloquy just because i wanted to write i wasn't ready to start writing the other book and uh, to this date that's that's 11 years i still haven't written that book oh. I, I... do it now it's november 1st you know <laughs> get it done by november 30th I'll have to do the reading <laughs> hey write it first then change everything after yeah you yeah just write it first <laughs> we could do two months of editing and reading after yes. Well, yeah. It's well. While they say it's easier to ask forgiveness and ask permission, right? Getting right everything, and then you say, "Oh, I'm sorry that I got your ancestor and one of America's greatest heroes (laughs) completely wrong." But I I didn't do the reading. No, no (laughs) one has to read the first manuscript. No one's entitled to read that. That's what I told myself. Like, no one, no one's going to read the first run. Uh, My friend calls it the pancake. You know how, like, when you make a pancake and the first one kind of comes out crappy? Oh, true. (laughs) So that is the pancake manuscript. We'll get it together from there. I like that analogy. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, and the only time an author has a really unfinished manuscript get out there, it's usually, you know, years after the fact when they're rich and famous and, you know, what happened to Harper Lee with Ghost Set of Watchmen. Mm. Because that obviously was not her finished manuscript that (laughs) made it out. No. No. Go ahead, Paul. I was actually thinking of a couple of questions that might help some of our listeners who are also writers. The the three of them that I would think of, I whichever one you feel like answering, go for <laughs> it. But you know, or you can answer all three, or you can just say, I'll, you know, those you know I'll do my best. Anyway, whatever you <laughs> if, want. You, if you want to cross the bridge of death, you know. answer me these questions three. It's only going to be like three hundred dollars a question, though. Okay, so. I can afford that. <laughs> <laughs> so the questions would be. How in the world did you keep your focus throughout the entire writing process when you did this? What was your biggest help during the entire process? And also, what was the biggest hindrance to you during this process? All right. Let me see if I can go in order. Okay. Number one, how did I keep focus during this writing process? Honestly, I made it. I'm, I'm, a, I'm kind of a routine person, so hopefully this resonates with some writers out there. I just forced it into my daily routine. 
not only that, so I like made time and I knew like during these times I would be riding in transit this time in the morning before work starts, blah, blah, blah. And I also became like the savviest multitasker in the world. <laughs> you have no idea. I'm in a meeting. It's not my turn to talk. My Google Doc is open. Right. Thankfully, no one looked over my shoulder at any point in time and caught what the Google Doc was and fired me, but whatever. You know, I just became this incredible multitasker, and I was, like, on the website pretty much every day. Every time I wrote something, I could have written a paragraph during my transit, and then would that would be the end of it for like that 30 minute block and I would still go on the website and use the word count tool. I was obsessed with the word count tool and I followed that little graph. You know, if you're a visual person, that little graph is the most amazing thing because it'll tell you if you're on track, if you're on the trajectory to be finished, if you're slightly above it and since I'm so competitive, I was like I have to keep this bar slightly above <laughs> this curve on the graph and if I saw it was dropping that would motivate me to do more. So I would say in order to motivate yourself to continue to stay on track is to definitely utilize what they have on the website for you. So they're there for a reason. They're there so you can have a visual um, for your progress. And I used it every single day, every single opportunity I could. Second question was biggest help. Ooh, look at my memory. <laughs> Way to go. Way to go. Biggest help, biggest hindrance. So probably the biggest help was... I had a lot of friends who had have been encouraging me to write this book for quite some time. And I just talked about it constantly. I was so stoked to finally do what people have been suggesting me to do that I was so proud of this accomplishment. I was telling all my friends, I'm like, I'm finally writing a book about my sex life. Remember how you said I should do that? And so people were always giving me props about it. And so that kind of kept me going and motivated that I could like kind of brag I know that sounds egotistical, but sometimes you're like, yeah, well, I'm writing a novel this month, but what are you doing? Oh, you're not shaving your beard? Cool. <laughs> so, Just to interject, as Paul and I have discussed, it is perfectly fine for a writer to be egotistical. We are creating <laughs> right. a world. I feel like it's necessary. I yes. feel like you get your writer card taken away if you're not sort of egotistical. We um, are gods. <laughs> we are. I am we, imposing we, my art for the masses. Come now. Um, we are gods. We control the fates of billions in some right. heads. Billions of people are. Yeah, they're, if they're God are. was not egotistical, <laughs> nothing in the Old Testament would have ever happened. Right, <laughs> and therefore, if God is egotistical, I am egotistical because I am God. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but anyway, a God. yeah, a God, I, a, God. a God among other publishers. Yes. <laughs> uh, Maybe but, that's what I should have called them, AS21 gods instead of creatives. Gods. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, we're we don't not. Want to, you know, that, there are some copyright areas for that one. Right. True. But the ego really helps because everyone was like, wow, that's so cool. And they would say, you know, how, how many words are you into it? And I'm like, ooh, 22,000. Ooh, 35,000. Yeah, I'm 44,000. I only have 6,000 to go. It'll only take me three days. Okay, bye. I was obnoxious <laughs> about it. So I feel like that kept me going too because I could always be like, hey, Facebook, 48,000 words and counting. How you doing? But probably the biggest hindrance I feel, especially in terms of my book, is that I had to make choices between what to what stories would be interesting to include and what stories would be dumb. And I wanted to vary it up enough because yeah, there are steamy portions of the book, but I also feel like I, I, I cut in some humorous stories or I cut in some like really sad heartbreak stories in there. So for me, it's like not to sound like the modern whore, but there were plenty of men I could have chosen from to include or exclude from the book. So 
it was it was a challenge kind of figuring out like what would be the best stories to include and what are just kind of stupid and lame and no one wants to read about. So sorry if you didn't make the cut, gentlemen, if you're like listening right now and you're like, why, why am I not in the book? Sorry. <laughs> well, based on some of the people you did include, I imagine some are glad they probably didn't make it. <laughs> right. Based, yeah. Based on the company. <laughs> there you go. All like, right. Bad they are. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Was that all three? So we got focus, we got help, we got hindrance. Yep. All right. Yay! (laughs) Thank you for answering my questions. Absolutely. I'm about getting things done. That's why NaNoWriMo worked. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So what is just the biggest piece of advice you would give someone setting out on NaNoWriMo? Seeing that this episode is posting on November 7th, so most anyone that's listening to it should already be seven days into their novel. Well, I didn't start till November 5th last year, so it's never too late to join NaNoWriMo. I'll tell you that if you're listening right now and you're like, oh, a week has already gone by. Uh, I, I would still say do it. It just might take a little heavy lifting somewhere in there to, to make up for lost time. But I would say anyone who, att- who wants to attempt NaNoWriMo should, and whether or not you succeed or if you fail you'll make progress. Like there's no way you're going to be productive within that month of November. And no matter how many words you end up getting down, it's going to be progress towards something. And it's going to be the first step to getting your work done. And I felt like NaNoWriMo lit a fire under me, so to speak, to complete it. And so one, definitely attempt it. Two, try and find a way to just put it in your routine. So it, it starts to become kind of natural for you to set aside a time to write. And three, just go forth. You can do all the work on the front end or the back end later. Sometimes it's better to just get the ideas out of your head and on paper. And even though you might look back on it and say, mm, this isn't as well developed as I wish. Like I said, it's progress toward what you wanted to do originally. So you can always fix what didn't come out perfectly during NaNoWriMo. That's awesome. Now, of course, you always remember, I mean, not to undercut the challenge at all, but there's no penalty if you don't finish. Right. No one's going to... I'm pretty sure no one comes out of the sky and cuts your hand off so you can only write half as much next year or anything. No. Nope. Oh, you, <laughs> gonna... you don't go at the end of the month, well, I didn't finish. Let's throw away everything that I right. just did. <laughs> right. Like, like I said, if you only get 10,000 words in, that's 10,000 words of your book that you didn't have before. Yeah. And so keep on in December. I mean, even, yeah, even 10,000 words in a month, that's good. that is still an achievement. Right. I think for students, isn't it for students, it's like 30,000? Uh, let me... Their uh, NaNoWriMo is 30,000, but an adult is 50, I think. Oh, the, the Young Writers Program? Mm-hmm. Uh, according to that... Uh, young Writers... Yeah, the adult program is 50,000. Young Writers, 17 under... I think it's for each person. They seem to have a different oh. thing. Oh. You have See, so you might not even on. have to do 50,000. Yeah. I would recommend, I know in hindsight now, that I would recommend like Tiger Balm on your palms or on your hands <laughs> or some sort of wrist brace. Because I swear by the end of it, like, oh, my arms, my uh, hands and my wrists, like, really, really sore. So you could taper your ambition with some, you know, care for your phys- physical well being. Yeah. That's probably a good idea. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like all writers should have like a little wrist brace, you know? (laughs) 
Yeah. I, I'm just imagining all writers at this point, from this point onward. Like, oh, you one of us? Yeah, they start working out their hands and wrists. Yes. <laughs> you know, so we have Arnold Schwarzenegger, strongman hands and wrists, and then the rest <laughs> of our arms are just, uh wimpy little things. <laughs> the whole time I'm writing this, I'm like, oh my goodness, like... Did Ayn Rand have, like, wrist problems? Because her oh, books geez. are so long. <laughs> you know, J.R.R. Tolkien. You know, they're all just writing these really long books, well, and I'm like, man. And those ones are written by Old school typewriter. Yeah, like, they were old typewriter. school. Oh. Either typewriter or handwritten. Or handwritten. Yeah, um, that's written. even worse. That's even yeah, worse. There's this uh, Civil War novelist named Shelby Foote who wrote all of his books with a quill Ooh. and ink. Because oh. he wanted to make sure that when he wrote a word, each word was the absolute correct word. But no, I doubt he, t- yeah, he definitely didn't take NaNoWriMo. No. No. Oh. Yeah, elbow tendonitis and all. Mm-mm. Oh. <laughs> I'm thinking just Charles Dickens, you know, where he's being paid by each word he used. <laughs> right? Right. We would all be rich. Oh, man. Well, Shakespeare, he was making up his own 000. words. Oh, God. Yeah, he had to work on the theater schedule, though. Yeah, that's true. All right. We've had a pretty nice, lengthy discussion here. And Paul, do you have any other, anything else? Off the top of my head, no. Realistically, thank you so much for all your help. I'm definitely going to you know, make sure that this is an actual NaNoWriMo I actually complete. <laughs> Although, there is, a, there is a small sadistic part of me that wants to log in my current total word count. <laughs> Count it. No. You won NaNoWriMo twice. Woo! <laughs> because they, on my thing it says that the people in New Jersey have all the people doing NaNoWriMo for New Jersey have already surpassed a hundred thousand words for the state <laughs> of New Jersey. I was like, sure, let's double that. Wow, that's that's more than what they have on the main site. I'm looking at the sign up on the main website, which is nanowrimo.org. N-A-N-O-W-R-I-M-O dot org is where you can sign up so you can be part of the the collective group that's working on this. They list 3,622 worldwide word counts. But I think that just might be the participants. Yeah, I'm looking right now. Yeah, it sounds USA, like it. New Jersey, Northwest is my category area. And we are just at 119,000. 389 words. Okay, I see that. Well, Maryland, 1,568 <laughs> novelists at 1,139 words per novelist. Oof. So, that's pretty good start for some of these people. So, good luck to all those taking part in NaNoWriMo this year. And when you're done, stop on by AS21.com and find out about our wonderful editing cover design services. We're here to help you. You've done the hard part of writing. Now come to us for afterwards. <laughs> You'll be in good company and good hands. Yes. Yes, we try. We aim to please. So, Eileen, how can people reach out to you online if they want to find out, have more questions or find out more about your book, Dating as Told by the Modern Whore? Well, I manage my Tumblr and my Twitter. You can find both of those at, at the Modern Whore. Yes, that is at the Modern Whore. All one word. So I have a Tumblr page and a Twitter page so you could tweet at me or message me on Twitter. Or obviously visit the AOS, AOIS 21 uh, publishing website for direct links to buy my book. 
It has a lot of very interesting and saucy and sexy and also funny different variety in there for anyone who would uh, like a really fast and funny read. I've heard that it's great. It's great to take along on a trip or great to take along on, on a vacation. It's a good fast read with a lot of variety in it and interesting things there. So like I said, Twitter, Tumblr, tweet at me. <laughs> yeah, and as21.com slash Vega for her page on our website. And also we have so far released two episodes of your author interview on our Creative Speaking YouTube series. And I believe the third episode actually will be out this month. So, oh, yes. I almost forgot. The Facebook page as well. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. The Facebook um, page for Dating the, is Told by the Modern Whore. Yes. Dating is Told by the Modern Whore has its own Facebook page. And there you'll find those interviews and links to those videos, as well as on the AOIS 21 website. Yes. And, uh, and our YouTube channel. We post those on the 14th of each month. So her first two episodes are already up there, and you'll be catching the third one this month. And where it's in rotation with other creatives, so you know, check it out monthly. And who knows, you may catch her again sometime soon. Okay, let's wrap up here. So it is November. So this is not. We have well, this past week we had Election Day for those that have elections. Got Veterans Day coming up this coming Wednesday. And Thanksgiving coming up on the 26th. So hopefully you have a lot to be thankful for this year. I know I've been thankful. I'm very thankful for what we've been able to do with AS21 this past year, including the launch of this and our other podcast series, The Passion on the Page Poetry Series. Paul, do you have anything coming up this, this month? This month, apart from hammering out NaNoWriMo, I'm moving to my new apartment in three weeks. <laughs> Yay. Yay. So, so if you if you're a diehard listener of this podcast and you want to help out, go help Paul move. Yeah. Contact <laughs> us on our main page on the nineteenth of November. I could really use the help. I have too many books to move. <laughs> so Eileen, what do you have coming up this month of November? Nothing on the books yet, but I have been doing a lot of stand-up recently as a way. Number one is as another avenue for me to kind of share my funny stories and talk more about the hilarity of dating and sex and relationships. But I recently just did my final performance at Stetson's on U Street as they are closing, unfortunately. Oh, no. So it was a bittersweet moment because it was one of the first places I took the stage after I published my book. And now it's sadly coming to an end. But I'm now looking for more venues in order to do my stand-up comedy around the D.C. area. It's actually something I just found out about recently that I could share with you and do it on the air here so that it's called Yay. Story District. Oh, I think I've heard of that. Yeah, the website is storydistrict.org. A lot of .orgs we're talking about today. <laughs> and it's a storytelling series where people can come out and just tell their stories. And you go to their website, you find out what date the events are coming up, and you go and you, you pitch your story online, and they invite you to come out to their location and tell it in front of a crowd. Oh, excellent. I could just take a chapter right on out of the book. Absolutely. <laughs> They yeah, used to but, be called Speakeasy DC, but now they're going at Story District. Huh? At, at Story District. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Um, as I start to sign up for more of these uh, events and have them more frequently, I usually uh, post something on my Twitter and on my Tumblr with the location and time for each show. So just follow me on there. <laughs> there are numerous options out there, and it's sad to hear that Stetson cl- is closing its doors. So. Yeah, and it's really sad. Cool. Yeah. Before next month, on December 4th, the first Friday in December, I will be appearing at 
books and other found things in Leesburg, Virginia for their first Friday event. I'll be there that night talking about the AS21 annual, which just came out beginning October. But I'm also there for any questions you might have about writing, editing, publishing. I'll be there for that. If you've completed the NaNoWriMo challenge at that point, come on out and talk to me. I know not everyone listening is in the Leesburg, Virginia area, but for those that are, there's really no excuse for you not to come out. Because First Friday is an excellent activity in Leesburg where all the shops have special programming going on and I'm sure the Christmas decorations will be up by that point. So it's going to be cold outside, so stop on in, talk to me, talk to some of the other authors and artists that will be there and it will be a great time. Next month it will be just me and Paul once again and we are going to be discussing character development. Back in chapter one, we introduced characters. Now we're going to talk about how characters develop during the overall story as we do our writing. Okay, Paul? Absolutely. All right. Thank you very much for being with us today, Eileen. No problem. Hope to see you guys again soon. Yep. All right. For AS21 Publishing, I am Keith F. Shovlin. And this is Paul Russell, author of The Will of the Magi. Thank you all, and remember, as always, where there are thoughts and ideas, there are stories. Copyright 2015, AS21 Publishing, LLC. All rights reserved. AS21 Publishing. What do you want your book to be?